Appreciate your faithfulness to the Lord and the way the Lord is revealing His glory among you and through you in this community. Really, really thankful for Gio and Karen and our growing relationship with them through the recent years and the joy and the energy and the zeal, the faithfulness, the vision that Gio and Karen carry within them in their hearts. They bring a lot to our North Region staff meetings, and we're, we're grateful for them. Thankful for their service here amongst you and, and along with you, and also recently for their work in the youth camp. It's a, a great endeavor, and it's a, 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 quite an expenditure of energy on their part, and we appreciate young men and women like them who can uh, devote themselves for a week up with the youth uh, in the camp setting. We really are blessed uh, in the fellowship of, of communities that we have in Christ in the L.A. church throughout uh, the Southland of L.A. And to be in the North region to have ministries of Santa Barbara and people, people drive all the way from San Luis Obispo to be a part of the Santa Barbara ministry here in Shoreline, uh, out in Santa Clarita and in Simi and San Fernando Valleys. And to be a part of the L.A. church and to be able to enjoy the, the greater connection that we can have like our youth and our teens at camps and uh, our campus students when they're able to get together and encourage each other. And the singles ministry, when they, they can get together for activities and know that, that they're part of something wonderful and powerful in their local ministry, but they're also part of, of something bigger than that. And there are opportunity for relationships even larger than, than just what they have in their local ministry. That's fantastic. And then also for the marrieds, even for the marrieds, there's opportunities in the L.A. Church. And round about the second weekend in November, we're going to have our annual marriage retreat. And this year, we're going to have Alan Gloria Baird speak at that. And they'll be bringing years of wisdom and insight from a great married life that they have in their knowledge of the Word of God. So being a part of the, the fellowship that we have, where we have separate ministries uh, unto themselves in their, their local communities like you have here in Shoreline, but also that we're connected to a larger ministry that we can draw strength from and we can encourage each other. We're going to be looking today in John chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at a conversation with Jesus. A conversation that Jesus had with a woman. A woman had with Jesus. And we're going to hopefully learn some things that can apply to our life and our times. Now, if there's ever been a conversation that you've had that you put off, that you postponed that you tried to navigate around, get away from, run from? There's any conversations like that you've had, maybe with your spouse, maybe with your kids, maybe with your physician or your dentist, who knows, your mechanic, I don't know. But, but there are certain times conversations in our lives that are important, essential. We need to have them, but maybe we, we, we put them off. I remember when I was uh, 14 and a half, I, uh, my parents were out of town, and my older sister and brothers were kind of looking after me. And my friend came over. He was 15, and we decided to steal my brother's car 
take it for a joyride. And being that he was 15, the older one, he actually had his driver's permit, we decided to let him drive. And he proceeded to drive us into a ditch. We rolled the car. It was a Volkswagen bug. We rolled it into a ditch. It was upside down. The wheels were spinning, and it was in the ditch. And we uh, grew up on a farm, so we had to get the tractor and flip it up and pull it out of the ditch and haul it home. And uh, the, the next day, my parents were due home, and I decided not to be there when they arrived. Because that was a conversation uh, I wanted to avoid. I'll never forget, I was, I was down in town playing basketball with my friends, and my parents pulled up, and I saw the car pull up alongside the basketball court, and a hand came out, and the finger motioned me from the basketball court to the conversation which uh, I needed to have. And I don't know how you're feeling about your relationship with God, if there's that kind of tension, that kind of dynamic, that there's things you're avoiding or not. Uh, the conversation with God always ends well, and we're, we're going to get there. But uh, let's, before we read in John chapter 4, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time of worship. We can focus our hearts and our minds on you. Thank you for the time to reflect on your grace and your forgiveness, our being reconciled to you through the sacrifice of Jesus. We pray right now that we can enter into the words of Jesus and a conversation with Jesus that will help us in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The passage in John chapter 4 is that Jesus is going to be on a journey heading from the south part of the country in Judea, and he's heading north to Galilee. He's made a decision to leave one area of ministry, and he's moving from there, and he's moving on his way north, and we pick up reading in John chapter 4 and verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. This uh, setting is a well outside of a town. And in a town like Sychar, the town well was a gathering place. And in the mornings, every morning, the women of the community would take their water jugs and they would travel out to the well and they would draw water. And as a place where everybody went to draw water, it was a gathering place and it was a place where various conversations would occur. This woman is going middle of the day, alone, by herself. And she happens to find the Lord there. We don't know why She's there alone. Maybe some of the things we learn about her life and the kind of life she lived, maybe she was a bit of an outsider. Maybe she didn't fit in. Maybe she wasn't accepted in her community. But for some reason, she was going at a little bit off time to the well, and there she encounters Jesus. And Jesus begins a conversation. And to begin that conversation, he has to reach across boundaries and barriers. 
They were boundaries and barriers that the culture, that society, that even well-meaning people had set up. That the Jews didn't talk to the Samaritans and that men didn't talk to women in public like that. But Jesus was interested in having a conversation with her. And so even though maybe it wasn't the thing that should have been done, and even though there, was, there were barriers and there were roadblocks, Jesus reaches across those to begin this conversation with her. I'm wondering if there are some barriers, some hindrances between us and the Lord. There's a conversation waiting to be had, but there's something there between us. Maybe those things that Gio was referencing that, that have happened in our life that we feel ashamed of, guilty of. Maybe there's things that have happened in our past when we were five or six or something else, and, and, and that's present, and that's there, and that's because it was, came from an authority figure in our life, and God being an authority figure, we, we were not drawn to the conversation. We're not inclined to begin the conversation. But we see Jesus pushing past, reaching over, reaching around the barriers to begin this conversation with this woman and be assured he absolutely wants to do that with each of us. Maybe it's a new conversation. Maybe you've had conversations with the Lord in your life. You've had some great conversations. You've had some life-changing conversations, but not recently. Not in recent time. Maybe it's time for a new conversation to begin with you and Jesus. We've got to begin the conversation. And so it does begin. In verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink... You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as, also, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whatever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus begins by asking for a drink. You know, they're there by the well. The well was the source of life, the source of sustenance for the people in that community. That community could not have existed without the water in that well. And Jesus takes the well, that setting, the water, the woman's need to come out to draw daily water from the well to survive. He takes that setting to have the conversation with her. He really wants to talk with her, not about the water in the well, not about physical water, but about her salvation about the Holy Spirit, about the need that we have for that which comes from God to enter into our lives to make the difference. And that not having what comes from God, His Spirit, His salvation, His love, His acceptance, His forgiveness, not having that, we cannot live. Any longer than we could live without water, 
We can't live without that which comes from God in our life. And he wants to, he wants to have this conversation with this woman about where her real source in life is centered. And he, he makes this statement. The water that I give to a person will become in that person once I give it to them. It will become in them. Something will happen in them. It will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And that phrase of Jesus, become in him. Let's us know where Jesus wants to take the conversation. He wants to have a conversation with us. But he's not so much interested in the outward things that are going on. The things that we're so interested in as people, the things that we're concerned about as people, color of our hair, color of our skin, kind of clothes we wear, kind of homes we live in, the external things. That's not where Jesus is going to take a conversation with us. He's concerned about what's happening inside of us. And the water that he wants to give us, the things that he wants to do, is what can become, what can happen inside of us. And so when we think about the water of God, and we think about a conversation with Jesus, we think about this. What's happening inside? What's happening inside of us right now? Is there doubt? Is there anxiety? What are you worried about today? Is there some anger? Some bitterness? Some unforgiveness? Is there something unresolved? Is there something that hasn't been worked out in a relationship? In some aspect, some corner of your life? If Jesus has a conversation with us, He's going to want to ask. He's going to want to zero in on what's happening inside. And we know that. Maybe that's why we avoid the conversation. Maybe that's why we're off playing basketball with our friends instead of at home waiting for the conversation to happen. There are some conversations we want to avoid, we don't want to have. And conversations about the true state of our inner world, this true con- the true condition of our inner life, that's a conversation that we may not be ready to have. But know this, Jesus, in His love and in His goodness, wants to have that conversation. What's happening inside? How are things going inside? Where we do all of our living. We don't really live outside. You don't really live in Camarillo or Oxnard or Ventura. That, that may be part of it, but we do all of our living on the inside. We live from the inside out. And if things are not going well on the inside, you might be in Camarillo, California, of all the places to live and not be doing well. You might be where people would love to live and not be doing well if things aren't right on the inside. And the Lord knows that and in His love for us, He wants to have a conversation with us that is talking about, talking with us about what's happening inside of us. We have to, if we're going to have the conversation with Jesus, we also, we also have to keep it real. He zeroes in on the inside, and once there, 
If the conversation is going to continue, we have to keep it real. Let's read verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She, she still doesn't get it. And that happens with us, with the Lord in conversations. He starts it. He shares with us from his word. He teaches us something of insight, something of importance. But we don't, we don't pick up on it right away. We don't tune into it right away. And she's still with the physical water. And so, so Jesus is going to take things deeper now in the conversation. Verse 16, he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. (coughs) Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. We'll stop there for a moment. Jesus wants to have a conversation with us. He wants to deal with what's going on. He wants to ask us how are things inside. And that's where this conversation goes. And when the woman really isn't tuning into that, he presses the point home about her relationships. She's had five husbands. And the one she's now with on the sixth, she decided not even to marry. Can you imagine what might have been going on in her life? Not one marriage. She's gone through five broken, heartbreaking, tragic relationship ends. Think of the loss that she's experienced. Think of the lack of trust that she must be living with, evidenced by, I'm not even going to bother marrying this guy. Think about the disillusionment to have thought, certainly with husband one, he's the answer. This man in my life, he's going he's to meet my needs. He's going to solve my problems. He's going to take care of me. And I'm not going to have any issues financially and going through five different relationships. Then what do you think she might have had? Then she might have thought, you know, therapy is going to be the answer for me because I've got a lot to deal with. I've got a lot to deal with. I've got healing from my past. All of this stuff that's gone on. And we all can relate to that. And she could have thought, you know, a conversation with the, with the psychotherapist, that's what's going to help me. And maybe, maybe she could have thought, you know, I just need to learn how to make better choices in my life. Maybe if somebody could just help me with making better choices, then the next man that comes along, I'll know how to size him up better, number seven, and maybe he'll be the one, because I just need to learn how to choose better. But notice how it's all outside. It's all outside what's going on outside. And Jesus wants to take the conversation inside. And he wants to, he wants to keep the conversation real. In Beginning in the 1960s, John F. Kennedy stood before Congress and before the American nation and he gave this challenge that we would put a man on the moon and return him safely to earth before the end of the decade. And we just this July celebrated the 40th anniversary of the Apollo landing, the first lunar landing and first moon walk 
on the moon when Neil Armstrong made that statement, this is one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. And this is a scene from July 20th, 1969. And it's the first of its, of its kind. It's Earthrise over the lunar surface. It's a completely different view of Earth. It's looking at Earth from out there. It's looking at our planet from somewhere other than centered in our planet. Imagine that. To be able to look back and see the earth rising over the moon's surface. It gives us the ability for a completely different perspective. A completely different way of looking at us on earth. That's where this conversation is now going to go with Jesus. And watch how he keeps it real with her. And watch how he's going to change the woman's entire perspective. Because having tried men and that in relationships and that not working, and having gone through a bunch of other things thinking what the answer is, she then thinks maybe religion is it. Okay, you're right. Religion is the answer. Where should we worship? She's already going into religious controversy, religious questions, and we can so do that. But Jesus keeps it real. And here's what he says in verse 21. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. For you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers, the true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. The woman wanted to get into religious questions and religious controversy and religious discussion about the right place of worship. And there was a heated debate between the Jews and the Samaritans about the right place of worship. And they all looked at it from a self-centered point of view. They all looked at it from within themselves. The place of worship is here on our mountain. The place of worship is here in our temple. And Jesus said, you're looking at it all wrong. You need to step back and look at the relationship, and look at worship from God's point of view. God is spirit. And that statement should stop us in our tracks. If God is spirit, why do we worry so much about our flesh? If God is spirit, why do we spend so much time and energy pursuing material things? If God is spirit... Why is our physical life and its trappings and its surrounding so obsessive to us? God is spirit. And that should cause us to, to start to pull at least some of our time, if even uh, an equal amount of our time and energy and resources away from the material and the physical and the flesh and blood pursuits and take it away from that, borrow it away from that and direct it towards Spiritual things, spiritual paths, spiritual pursuit. Because, because why? Because God is spirit. 
And looking at it, being able to step back and looking at it from God's point of view lets us know, number one, the place of worship is inside. That's why Jesus asking us about what's inside is so relevant, so important, so timely, because that's where the place of worship is. It's within us. Jesus also helps us understand what needs to be happening to keep it real in spirit and in truth. You know, there's, there's a person whom we really are. And that's rarely shown in public. That's rarely revealed to others because that's scary. That is a conversation we don't want to have. A conversation that reveals who we are. Because we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of not being accepted. We're afraid that if they ever really saw, if they ever really knew, if they ever really clued into who we are, they would reject us. But you know, in, in Matthew chapter 7, you know those who were rejected of the Lord? He said, Depart from me, I never knew you. I never knew you. The only thing that would cause us to not be accepted and received from the Lord is us not keeping it real with Him. When we don't let God know us, when we hide from God, that is entirely too much anonymity in our life. Hiding from God, not being known by God, is too much secrecy in our lives. Keep it real. In the Spirit talks about who we really are. Not the flesh, not the facade, not the image, not the spin that we doctor up and we serve to others out of our fear of rejection and loss and non-acceptance and non-forgiveness. In the Spirit, who we really are within us and in truth. What's really going on in our life? What's really happening? What we're really thinking, what we're really feeling, what we're really doing, the choices we're really making. Others may not know, but let's be honest about it. God knows. He sees it anyway. And until we come to Him in spirit and in truth and reveal and bring who we really are, until we have that conversation, God, let me get honest. Until we have that little talk with Jesus, that walk with the Lord, and we we get honest about what is really happening in our life, Until then, there's there's not real worship. Whatever it is, it's activity. It may be meaningful in other respects in our life. It's social. It's, It's helpful. But it's not connecting us with God. Because that happens in spirit and in truth. What's the conversation that he wants to have? It's about who we really are. And what is really going on in our life. And trust this, God can handle it. He can handle it. And not only can He handle it as in you're not going to cause Him to doubt His existence. He can hear your doubts and He won't, ex- he won't doubt. Nor will your frustrations or your issues with Him, will it cause Him to push away from you. In fact, He'll be drawn closer to you. And what there ultimately is promised from the Scriptures is love and acceptance and forgiveness. Begin the conversation and, and keep it real. And then we also need to 
Stay to the finish. Let's read on. Verse 27. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples came to each other, uh, uh, said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Skip down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Jesus was encountered again by his disciples. They'd been in the town, and they, they'd come back from the town. And they want to know what's going on with him. And he reveals what's going on with him. He reveals the point, the end in mind of every conversation that he wants to have with us. He, he shows us what is, what is beating in his heart, what is centered in his mind as, as he thinks about interacting with us. Whatever the distance may be, whatever the closeness may be, the Lord is tuned in to you and to me, and He wants to communicate with us. And here's what He wants. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Imagine that. Doing God's will and finishing His work. There's a work of God, in line with the will of God that Jesus wants to do in your life. We're going to have to have a conversation with him to find out what that is. A scary conversation that deals with the true state of our inner life. A conversation that we've maybe wanted to avoid because we know the Lord's going to keep it real. It's got to be in spirit and it's got to be in truth with him. But, but the end is so that he can finish his work in our life. It may be the finished work of forgiveness between you and God. Or the finished work of forgiveness between you and some broken, hurtful, wounded relationship. We have a lot of those. And you could either live your life in a cold war and in distance and, and part of your life, shut out, shut down, experience, not experiencing it. It's there, shrouded in darkness. Or you could, with the Lord's help, bring that on out into the light, and He could finish His work there, and, and you, could, you could have that relationship back for your part. It may be something in your character. It's there. It's nagging you, it's defeating you, it's, it's debilitating your spiritual life, it's taking your joy, and it's there. And, and anything you do 
It seems to have that shadow cast upon it. Something in your character. You know what it is. The Lord knows what it is, and probably a lot of your friends know what it is too. But the Lord wants to finish His work. He wants to have conversation with us that, that, that takes us beyond that, that helps us become more than that. But there's something else. Even as, even as Jesus has a work to do in you, and this is really exciting, He has a work to do through you. He wants to have the kind of conversation with us that begins to open up our eyes and begins to think about others and what God might have, what He's given to us to give to others. There's a work He wants to finish through you, a work He wants to do and do it to completion through your life, through conversations that you're going to have. Having had conversations with Him, you're going to have conversations with family members, with co-workers, with neighbors, with whoever, because there's a work that He wants to do through you. And the way this all started was Jesus started the conversation with the woman, and what did the woman do? She went back to her village, and she gets the entire village coming out to see Jesus. And then what the village people say is they say, they say, stay with us. They urged him to stay with them. Why? To finish the conversation. Something incredible had begun, but they knew it had just gotten started. They knew this, this wasn't completed. They knew there was more to talk about. They knew there was farther to go. Isn't that the way it is right now in your relationship with Jesus? Aren't you feeling that? This conversation needs to go deeper. This conversation needs to go farther. I need to take this to a more real place, to a more spirit and truth place. There's places I haven't gone with the Lord that I need to go. Because there's a work that He wants to do in my life that isn't finished. And so then what it says, and it's so amazing, in verse 42, it says, We no longer believe just because of what you said, saying this to the woman. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. That's it. Having a conversation that goes deep enough, thorough enough, truthful enough, honest enough, so that he knows us, who we really are. We wouldn't be a one that he would say, I never knew you. He would look at us and he would recognize us because we brought our real septum. We revealed our real septum. I know you and I've forgiven you, he'll say. And then we'll know for ourselves. That's a source of real faith. There's borrowing faith from somebody and, and we need to do that from time to time in our life when we're struggling, when we're in the wilderness. We, we've got to borrow faith. But ultimately, we want to get through that and we want to connect and we want to be able to experience it for ourselves reading the Bible for ourselves, applying and obeying the Word of God for ourselves, having the conversation with Jesus and letting Him take it as far and wherever He wants to go for ourselves so then we can experience and we can say this. Now I know for myself what Jesus wants to do in my life. You know, the end of the moon landing was not just to land on the moon, but to finish the journey, and on August 13th, 1969, they had this parade in New York City, the, the, the largest parade in New York City's history, 1969, welcoming back the, the three astronauts who were part of the moon landing. 
And all that they went through and all of the, the training and all of the hardship and all of the, the unknown and putting themselves out there in harm's way uh, where they did and then the re-entry and the, the landing in the ocean and extraction from the ocean and all of that. But, but this was the end of the journey. This was the finish. For them to make it back safe and sound and to be welcomed back into the community. And this, this is what's waiting for us. This is a, this is a picture of, of, of heaven when we get to heaven and there's going to be a parade, there's going to be a celebration for us. There's going to be more rejoicing in heaven over one entering salvation than many others who, who, wouldn't, who wouldn't need it. There's a celebration. The conversation ends well. The conversation may be a little scary that you need to have with the Lord, but it'll end well. If you, if you take it to the finish, if you finish it. Let's have the conversation. Let's begin it. Let's keep it real. And let's stay with it till the finish. Amen. Amen. Good job. Good job. Awesome.